This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You are very welcome to the Ireland's Birth Stories podcast. My name is Cora Gernon. I created the space for women to share all of the details surrounding their pregnancy, labour, birth and everything in between without feeling shy about the detail. Sit back and enjoy over 100 hours of birth stories told by you, the listeners. Enjoy. Hello there. I hope you have had a good week. We are going through something very strange in our house. Nobody's sleeping. Oliver's coming up to us every night and Eva has just has forgotten the ability to do so. So we're just trying to get over it this week and ride this wave, trying to go with the flow. So the very early days have been very prevalent in my mind this week. So I'm thinking of all of you who are suffering from sleep deprivation. It's just not fun. So to bring you to this week's guest, I'm sharing my chat with Ashling, who talks me through her one pregnancy and the birth of her little girl, Olivia. Ashling is in the UK. She's Irish, and we discovered that we were in, we were in we were about a, a year. I was in her brother's year in school, which is so strange. And she's sitting in the UK, bizarre. Anyway, she talks me through the birth of her little girl. She was supported by an incredible midwife who came into her story again at a really crucial stage. So I let her share those details. Ashling was also really supported in the hospital um, with breastfeeding, which she is still continuing now, 14 months on. So there's lots in her story, I think, just shows the power of a really incredible midwife. So she was really well looked after once they, you know, her her partner at the time had to step in and kind of say, guys, Ashley really needs to be looked after, as did that midwife. It wasn't necessarily within her department, but she went out of her way to say, Ashley needs to be looked after. She needs to be given water. She needs to be given snacks, food to keep up with the those newborn feeds. So a really nice example of the midwife that we all need in our lives. Well, most of us anyway. And Ashling is also trained in meditation. So although she didn't really tap into hypnobirthing as such, she definitely used the tools that she already had to get her through early labour and just, I think, her journey throughout. So I will tag Ashling's page, uh, Mellow Mindfulness, uh, her Instagram page in the show notes as well, if you want to go over and have a look or get in touch. So enjoy this episode and thank you so much again to all of you that are supporting the podcast. It helps me, it helps me release it every week. So I really appreciate it. Chat to you next week with a brand new episode. So Ashley, you are very welcome to the Ireland First Stories podcast. Finally, we're having this conversation. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks for having me here. No, not at all. Do you want to just start by giving us a little introduction to you and your family? Yes. So my name is Ashling, and my husband, who wasn't my husband when we first started uh, talking almost like a year ago, we got married in March. Um, we live in West Sussex by the sea in England. Um, I'm from Ireland originally and Sam's from here. 
and we have a daughter, Olivia, who's almost 14 months old now. So tell me a little bit about conception. So we're thinking 2020 lockdown. Sam and I were due to get married in the August. All systems go, Irish wedding. We had loads of people traveling from the UK. And it got to about April and we thought, oh, this COVID thing, maybe it'll be gone in two weeks or maybe it might be here in the summer. You know, at that stage, we didn't know. So we made the decision to postpone our wedding. Um, But we didn't want to postpone trying for a baby. We sort of had in our mind that we get married in the August we start trying we'd see what would happen and no stress but we just thought we were postponing it a year and we thought maybe we'll just see what happens we might have a baby at the wedding and if we don't well we can pick it back up again next year and um I think some of our reasoning was I have polycystic ovary okay. syndrome and endometriosis so that was sort of playing in the back of our mind so we just thought well let's not put it off and luckily enough um you know, we we did we did conceive pretty easily. Um, I mean, I was thinking we might have to get some support mm. and actually going into lockdown, all of the kind of gynecological services were pretty much shut down. It was literally just, you know, um, uh, and it was just basic uh, medical care in the UK and the NHS were closing down like lots of their uh, other services for like COVID wards and things, rightly so. Um, and I remember speaking to like a private gynecologist at the time to get a bit of advice and they gave us a medication called Letrozole and it's kind of like Clomid, that type of thing. Okay. And that was what helped us to conceive. So we were very lucky and thankfully it was a pretty straightforward road from there. So talk me through seeing that positive test. Oh God. So I remember, so Sam volunteers as a police officer, so a guard over here. And he was like leaving for a shift at like 6 a.m. in the morning. And I woke up at about five in the morning. And I remember saying to myself, I was going to do a pregnancy test the next day, but I'd wait for the morning. And I woke up and I kind of needed to use the bathroom. So I thought, well, do you know what? I'll just do it now. And it was a really cheap test, like a tiny strip. And it was the faintest test result you could possibly imagine. It was very cheap. It was like a big packet. They were, I don't know where I got them from Amazon or something. And I came in and said, oh, you know, and he said, Ashley, you're delusional. It's half five in the morning. I can't see anything like just you know, go back to bed, relax. And um, I was just convinced there was something there. And it was later on that day. Um, he was on shift till about six or seven in the evening and we met up and it was a beautiful sunny day, maybe like June or July. And I spent the day like with one of my friends in our garden. It was just such a nice day. And then we were we met up in the evening. And I just made him stop off at the supermarket to buy a pregnancy test. I bought a pregnancy test and a bottle of wine because I thought, well, one or the other, it's negative. <laughs> one or the other. And um, yeah, I, it was one of those like like those uh, clear blue ones, and it came up, and I was just, I was literally mind blown. I really, really was. We were just so excited mm. um, and a bit naive. I was just not any none of. We had some friends with kids, but we hadn't really been through the the trying journey with any friends are like being that close to anybody who you know found out they were pregnant and been through that journey and aware of it I think there was a lot of naivety um and excitement which was actually quite nice um so yeah we didn't know what to expect like I didn't even know what you did next I think it was that level of naivety like what do I do do I need to go to the GP do I need to I just remember thinking after the excitement like relaxed I didn't have a clue what to do but that was that really. So what did you do? I oh, I think we sat with it for a few days, just us, which was lovely. And then we were due to travel to Ireland and it was like our first pandemic travel. We were going to drive up to Wales. It's like an eight hour drive, get the ferry and stay at my parents. And I sort of was feeling absolutely fine, no pregnancy symptoms, but I wanted to get an early pregnancy test just to kind of make sure everything was okay. I really wanted to tell her. My my mum, especially, she's midwife. We're, very, we're really okay. close. So I just thought, I'm going to be staying there for a few weeks. There's no way in hell I'll be able to not say it, but I'd rather know everything was okay. And when we did that test, they said they couldn't detect anything. And it was possibly an ectopic pregnancy. It was like a private clinic. And that left us feeling so stressed out. Um, 
they said it was pregnancy not detected or unknown. So basically they couldn't see it on the scan. But based off of my period dates, I should they should have seen something. So there was a risk there. Maybe it was ectopic or they didn't know. And it just left us in a really tricky situation. And we we got referred to a hospital and we spoke to the nurse in the hospital. And basically, because of having PCOS, I ovulate later in the month. And that medication helped me ovulate later. It just made it look like I was further along than okay. I should have been. So everything was fine. But it, we were just a bit stressed out about that. And so that's kind of what we did. But we ended up sort of they gave us the advice to oh yeah we got this phone call like at the port in Wales so we we're about to go on the ferry and that's when they rang us with the results and the referral and we chatted to the nurse in the hospital and then we were thinking do we drive back down or do we go over to Ireland mm. what do we do anyway we went to Ireland because we knew we'd be fine if anything happened my mum and like you know we knew everything would be okay and we ended up then going to a clinic in Ireland to get another scan that was like a week on and everything was fine and they just gave us loads of advice like if I had any pain or anything or if I had any symptoms to to go to hospital but everything was absolutely fine um luckily and um yeah that was that was that bit of the journey really so what how many weeks were you at that stage then I'd say I was six or seven weeks at that point so then when and then I started to get symptoms yeah I was going to say did you feel did you feel that you were pregnant at that stage yeah yeah definitely like I was really nauseous and kind of really found it difficult to kind of hold down food and yeah definitely was feeling just kind of felt travel sick all of the time so then you returned to the UK and did did your start having your scheduled scans and did you start thinking about preparation is in attending yoga classes or anything like that what yeah so we got back the system's really different so um it's all midwife led rather than led by a doctor if you're in a low-risk pregnancy okay. so say depending on your age group and if it's maybe twins or certain things you might have you might go down more of a medical route but I literally had a phone call with a midwife while I was in Ireland and then she came to visit our house um, she came in for about two hours, oh, which wow. was strange during COVID. We were all kind of masked up and on the opposite side of the table and just got to know us as a couple and asked us lots of questions about our history. Um, and she was the midwife I met the whole way through my pregnancy, um, but not very frequently. So you have a 12-week scan, a 20-week scan, and that is it, two scans, um, unless there is more... Um, unless there's anything slightly complicated, they keep it to a minimum. And it's, yeah, led by the midwife, which is, which was really good. I had a really good experience, especially growing up with my mum being a midwife. Mm-hmm. I had so much trust in that. So that was great. And um, I did join a pregnancy yoga class. And that was just a blessing with lockdown because I actually met some local mums who were having babies at a similar time. I don't know what I would have done without that group because they were like a lifeline, you know, for the first, especially like the first year when we're all on maternity leave and being able to meet up and um, just the sanity of having someone to speak to at three o'clock in the morning when yeah. your baby is awake. So yeah, the pregnancy yoga meeting that group was was great. But apart from that, not a whole lot else. I didn't really prepare maybe mentally or emotionally till much closer to to the birth. I would say, you know, I was due end of March. It wasn't until after Christmas that I started really thinking about it. And just when you said your midwife stayed with you initially for the first visit for two hours, what did she talk you through? What, how did that meeting go? So everything from like every possible medical history from scratch, like have you ever had um, an abnormal cervical smear and have you ever had like everything you could possibly imagine? She was, she was trying to detect risk. So like, mm might you need a stitch in your cervix for example if you've if you've had any kind of um biopsy there or is there any medical history for any like genetic um diseases that we need to be aware of um and it was kind of an assessment like do you smoke are you guys and also she was sort of getting a sense of the house itself yeah yeah. A safe yeah for a baby like what this couple what's their dynamic like uh, is there any obvious problems here? And, you know, asking lots of questions like, does Sam have any other children? Because if if he did, which he doesn't, but 
if maybe, you know, he, he, I don't know, like they just look at the family dynamic and like, who's the child going to be around? So it was really, it was kind of like a social visit, but also like a medical visit. She did bloods there in the house. It was great. She did, um, every time I met her, she would like take a urine sample and do like proteins and glucose and all of that was in the house. So that was really, really nice. Um, yeah, no, it sounds I can't remember perfect. all the questions, but I actually do have them upstairs probably because she gives you like a folder. So I kind of kept the notes the whole way through of everything. Um, and things like, you know, we talked about the PCOS and then she booked me in for a glucose test in case I had dry test, dry, dry test diabetes when you're pregnant I can't gestational gestational yeah it's been so long so in case that was the risk so she was fabulous and all the girls in the pregnancy yoga class had the same midwife oh that's so cool it was just lovely she just did the local village and you know yeah it was just nice it was a really good experience actually I think rather than having to go into a hospital Mm. especially during COVID yeah so talk me through that preparation that you did after Christmas what did you do so I had brilliant pal who she had a home birth um her baby was nine months older um so like literally was born around the time we got pregnant I think and the home birth went really really smoothly and she had read you know the positive birth book and all of these like positive birthing movements and she was like all over that so when she came over to meet me and I was like oh, I don't have a birth plan but like we'll just see how it goes everything will be fine and she was like oh no like you need to have a plan like you need to have something there so that you can be in control of the situation and then I, I was very much because up to that point I was kind of I think up to that point I was you know a bit again naive kind of oh I'll just you know see how it goes um, I also had a quite a low placenta okay. and Olivia was in a breech position till quite late on. So there was um, there was a, ch- a good chance at that point that I'd have a planned cesarean unless my placenta moved up and she moved. And all that happened, my placenta moved up, she, she flipped. So I could have a um, any birth at that point. And I just, I spent a lot of time then like researching and sitting with Sam and like talking about like, what we would do in this situation or this situation, like, do we want to give the baby a vitamin K injection or do we want to give them a oral injection? Like all these things I kind of maybe then overplanned because I kind of had in my head exactly what I thought was going to happen or what had happened in lots of situations. Mm-hmm. I think it was helpful, but um, I think there's only so much you can yeah. plan for. You don't know what's going to unfold really. So tell me what resources you used. You and mentioned some was, books there. So, and also this podcast, have to say. <sighs> so it's great to be listening. I listen to so many birth stories. I, and that's really why I wanted to come on and talk to you because <clears throat> listening to birth stories helped me so much in normalizing things, mm. understanding what can happen. So that when I was actually in, the, in it myself, I wasn't afraid because... I'd heard all of these women talk about everything they'd been through or what they'd experienced. And it really normalized it. And also made me realize how unique every birth is. So listening to podcasts, this podcast has been amazing. I've also loved Cora. Like it's always felt very normal, this podcast. I think some podcasts I'd listen to and it'd be like, birth is so amazing and positive. And then, you know, I can leave you feeling like, oh my God, mine was that way. But some, but they were great because the positive stuff you know lifted my spirits and then I like to listen to just yeah read reading a bit um and even things like we used to watch um what is that tv show I can't remember now we watched it all the time one born every yeah. minute stuff like that you know just to get an idea of what could happen and coping mechanisms did you do hypnobirthing or um anything like that to help you throughout so I'm actually a meditation teacher. Yep. Really, really into hypnotherapy anyway before um before even being pregnant. So hypnotherapy is something I was really familiar with. And in hindsight, I wish I did more of like a hypnobirthing course. I think I maybe I felt a bit like, oh, I I've I've done loads of this before. I'll know what to do. But it's very unique. Like hypnotherapy is so different to being actually having coping mechanisms for birth. So I did a bit of practice, like listening to affirmations and med- lots of meditations, like I'd meditate anyway. Um, I didn't 
particularly find it that effective myself because I think I I don't know I think I I used it up to a point um but I think if I was to get pregnant again I'd probably go and do like a, an official mm. hypnobirthing course and get loads more practice but I did a bit and it was helpful but probably didn't use it the way you're meant to use it. <laughs> so will we get into the birth itself? Tell me yeah, when you're okay. yeah, yeah. Tell me all the details. I will. Okay. <laughs> so um very, very punctual baby. So she was due on a Sunday and I went into labor on the Saturday night. I was sitting in my bedroom Sorry. watching. When did Olivia turn? At what stage? Oh. Um oh it was probably about so it was probably about 36 weeks okay oh so fairly late so on still yeah. late yeah. enough yeah. on in 35 or 36 weeks so it's still like pretty um but again I didn't have scans at that point so that was more like the midwife feeling me and me you know we think that it was that appointment where she definitely turned she was definitely head down she could feel her being head down she could have turned a little bit before but the scan the last scan I had was probably the 20 week scan and did you feel a sense of relief that she had turned or how did you feel about having a uh, possibility of having a cesarean birth I felt okay about the possibility of having a cesarean birth um I liked the idea of something being scheduled I liked the idea of feeling like maybe I was in somewhat control I was aware of the recovery and how hard it would be but I think in that situation if I knew it was the safest thing and I knew it was where I was at I I had really accepted it Mm -hmm. which was great because I wasn't worried about I they also do like a gentle cesarean in the hospital that I was going to where you could almost kind of push the baby out which sounds really weird but they kind of go with your contractions and like you can feel the baby's head you can scrub up and literally get involved in it if you want to and they can play music that you want and things like that so I felt quite prepared which was really good so it wasn't like a worry in the back of my mind I don't think okay sorry now to talk me through the first signs of of labor yeah um so it's the Saturday night I remember sitting uh, like on a birthing ball I was using that I was working from home so I was sitting on that most days it was like the only comfortable thing I could really sit on I was watching Desperate Housewives and it was that episode where Bree's daughter comes back and she's pregnant and she literally goes into labor and it's weird because I didn't realize it till weeks afterwards but I turned my laptop back on for the first time and that was the part of the episode I'd obviously paused that's when I'd finished watching it so that was quite strange but I basically was just in my room and Sam was downstairs and um, I think he was playing PlayStation um, knowing it was a rare opportunity to like talk to his friends and do that because baby would arrive any day and um I just it was like I texted him I was like I think I'm getting a contraction and so we did this thing we hadn't planned it where I would send him we were calling them waves because that was the hypnobirthing thing of like try to think positively about it like that it's a wave um that comes and goes and so I he was like why don't you just send me this wave emoji every time you feel it and then I'll come I'll let you know how often it is so I thought about using an app to time them but that's what we did which is bizarre and then he came up and he was like Ash like these are pretty frequent like they're coming every you know 10-15 minutes I'm gonna ring the um, triage line he rang the hospital and they were very much like look she's a first time mum I wouldn't be coming near the hospital they're very short they were very frequent but very short they'd like come on and they'd be gone within like less than 30 seconds so I think it was very early stages um and I was using definitely using the hypnobirthing and pregnancy yoga at that point like I was you know down all fours doing my breathing using the affirmations and I really thought like I was in the height of labor at this point like I thought this is labor like this is it like oh I can manage it and um he was just by my side um, he ran a bath and was trying to keep everything calm I tried to get into the bath I couldn't I just felt like I was like um oh, I just felt like an elephant like I could not physically get in so but we tried that and we tried to like just keep the place really calm and it got to probably 2 a.m and I was like right we're going into hospital and we got in and they said that 
I think I was two centimeters dilated and that my choice at that point was you can stay in hospital but Sam had to go home because of COVID or go home and come back together when you're a bit further along and when you get to about I think six centimeters they let a partner in at that point of COVID so oh at that point I was like I wanted to stay with him um so they gave me some codeine which I'd never ever heard of somebody getting during labor but that's what they gave me two tablets or something of a codeine I think it was codeine I mean I was I think it was it was painkiller and that helped take the edge off a little bit um we got back home and I just kept laboring till about 7 a.m and like I had hot water bottles up against my back and I was like doing everything I could possibly do we'd had a TENS machine one of the other mums in that group had dropped it over but we never practiced with it and I kind of regret not regret but I would recommend like practicing stuff like we didn't even know how to set it on or set it up or if there's batteries in it so we actually didn't use that but hot water bottles were great and again as much as I say I didn't use the hypnobirthing like at this point in labor the hypnobirthing was amazing it really got me through that early early stages um and that was about 7 a.m I think and I just got this really like strong natural instinct to just go to hospital I can't even describe it it was like go like you have to go to hospital and I had my mucus plug come away very like the evening before uh, like eight eight or nine o'clock but I hadn't had any waters break or anything but I just felt this strong urge and so I just said to Sam come on we're going in and whatever happens at this stage like we're in now like we're not coming home till we have a baby and um he drove me over it was 10 minutes down the road again which is brilliant because we didn't have long to go um and we got to the hospital and it just felt very different this time like I was finding it hard to walk they weren't the last time they really took me to one side brought me into an examination room and examined me but this time they just saw me and were like, come straight in, you're laboring. I think they saw me the first time I knew if she can make her way upstairs, she's probably not there. And because I was midwife led, they bring you straight into this birthing unit. I think it was called the lavender room. It's like purple with the birthing pool. And like, I went to take my shoes off and she was like, no, put slippers on. You know, you don't get your feet cold, just slow things down. It was like this euphoric, beautiful place. I, was, I loved it and everything felt manageable like the pain went down and the midwife was so calm and everything was just really really lovely in there like the radio was on and it was the radio the station we'd always play at home and I literally felt like I was just in a friend's house for a cup of tea like it was a beautiful room um but we didn't last long in that room uh so she wanted to examine me before deciding what we would do next because you can get into the pool and there's loads of things you could do in the room um and as she examined me my waters went but they were really really thick meconium like they were like thick brown it was it was quite I don't want to say scary but a little bit alarming and she was really calm but was like right we need to get you into the labor ward now you know this is a higher risk that we can't have the birth here and I think the hypnobirthing is all about like keeping calm because if your adrenaline goes up and your cortisol goes up that's what slows down the birth and if you go into fight and flight your birth will you know slow down and then that can lead on to kind of intervention so in a way I was so calm and I'd already accepted I could have a c-section so again I wasn't afraid necessarily and I just stayed really really calm and we made it across into this other room but it was just so different. It was like bright lights, clinical. Everyone was scrubbed up. Like it was just felt. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss life is full of what ifs some awesome like what if ai could fold your laundry and some well less awesome like what if you have unexpected medical costs united healthcare can help get you covered with health protector guard fixed indemnity insurance plans they supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Of my pain levels that she went through the roof, and I had to be monitored continuously because with the meconium, there's a risk of like the baby breathing it in and like it getting into their lungs and everything. So I I was I had to be monitored, but I had to lay on my back with like a band around my belly. And I was just at this point, like, I can't do it. I was, I was like literally screaming and roaring, like, I can't do it. So Sam was amazing, but there was this kind of balance between we need to make sure the baby's okay because of the meconium. So once they got the heartbeat and they were comfortable, they gave me some gas and air, which was fab. And I, then I went through, this was at about like eight in the morning. So we're only in hospital. We'd left our house at about maybe seven. We'd been in, got into the hospital. So it was quite quick. It's at eight in the morning. And I was fairly tired. So I hadn't really slept through the night. Um, and then I went through what I later learned, I think, was transition where like my body was shaking and I really believed like I couldn't do it. I was really doubting myself and like you know kind of took a bit of a turn um even with the gas and air I couldn't really use it properly and I just wanted to be on all fours I felt being on my back was horrible and um I was saying to the midwife and it was still the midwife that was with me the whole way through which was great same midwife even though I was in the other room um I was like I just want an epidural now and she was brilliant like she got that arranged really quickly I thought she might try to talk me out of it because up to that point I wasn't I I didn't really state my birth plan but I did or didn't want one but I think I was she knew I wanted to try the hypnobirthing but actually she was amazing she was like you're still hypnobirthing with an epidural it's about how your mind is not about pain relief she was just amazing she was so helpful and I had that and she went to put the catheter in, however you say that, because you need that, I think, after the epidural. But she went to put it in and she was like, you are fully dilated. Like the baby's head is actually here. Okay. So it went in really late in the day. And if they had known how far I was, they wouldn't have done yeah. it because I'm so glad they didn't know <laughs> because the epidural was amazing. It just took the edge off completely. Um And the last couple of hours of the birth were just really calm compared to, you know, going into that room. So like about that was by the time, you know, they got the doctor in to do the 
it took it probably took a good hour and a half between me asking for it at about eight o'clock and it actually happening so that was about half nine in the morning and then by the time it kind of kicked in it was probably 10 and then Olivia arrived just after half 12 so I had kind of two and a half hours of that pain relief and it just made such a difference it was really nice and calm and I could lie down and they could get the monitoring of the baby and Sam and I were kind of chatting away and I felt like so much relief um and then we did this thing where like because the baby's heart rate was fine she allowed for the baby just to come down naturally because the head was already coming down so she was given it an hour um to just happen naturally rather than pushing and then the heart rate started to accelerate or decelerate I don't really know but basically she then was like right we need to push the baby out so it was very much a like Sam had his finger on this emergency button. So they had a plan of if the heart rate wasn't right, they'd bring me straight in for an emergency section. But I guess I felt very calm still because I knew Sam was there. She was there. It was all going to be fine. And all I could do was try to push the baby. So I was pushing for about, and again, some of the hypnobirthing breaths that I learned, Sam was able to kind of remind me of. I found it a bit confusing when I was in labour of all these different breaths I needed to remember and that's why I really would encourage if someone wants to do hypnobirthing maybe do the courses because there's up breaths down breaths I couldn't remember one of them when I was actually in labor but the birthing breath I could and he helped me with that and yeah it was about 20 maybe under 20 minutes of pushing and she was there and um she was placed straight on my chest and there was loads of doctors in the room because of again the begonium but she was fine they didn't have to take her away um but I actually had a hemorrhage and a second degree tear and I was completely unaware I was just lying there and I think Sam found that probably harder because he was physically seeing that happen but the midwife was really calm and she like sutured me up and the blood loss was about 700 or 800 mils and I felt fine. I didn't feel ill. I think you just get into such a, I think I was on adrenaline. I was just running off of adrenaline. But because of that, they just didn't rush me out of that room. And that was brilliant with COVID because birthing partners were basically, you know, taken away. Mm. They just left us there for hours just to make sure that I was okay. And so Sam and I were together and I feel so lucky because I know not a lot of couples at that time got that time um and I don't really remember it like it's very vague and I think I probably was quite weak but it was just Olivia on my chest and then I think because I knew Sam would have to go we were really conscious to get him to have him have a chance to hold Olivia of course so we you know he got a chance to hold her and we rang all of our parents and um yeah that's sort of the birth in a nutshell but I probably like I don't know, skipped over bits, but they're the big bits, really. So out of my two children, Eva is naturally the most curious. She wants, she's in at everything. She wants to see what's in every press. She wants to see how every toy works. It's just into everything. And although it's, it's just a new way of parenting that I didn't have with Oliver. I just had to be prepared for this child who needs constantly, who's being stimulated constantly. So say hello to Brain Building with Panda Crate. It's exactly what I needed. It's a subscription service for Play Essentials designed just for babies and toddlers aged 0 to 24 months. It's created by play experts at KiwiCo in partnership with Seattle Children's Hospital. Panda Crate is thoughtfully designed with care to stimulate your baby's brain development through play. PandaCrate is a science-backed, research-based approach to play and recognises that there's more to babyhood than the milestones itself. So within the PandaCrate, there was lacing beads. So Eva can sit down and do something like a jigsaw, but she'll have it done really quickly. And she, with the lacing beads, it takes her just a couple of minutes and she has to use both hands so she can really explore each piece, thread the shapes onto a string and develop bilateral coordination. Really, really handy. And also there is a peg puzzle. So it's another way to solve shapes and it's nice. They're nice wooden, robust toys. They're easy to clean. 
nice solid shapes and I find the other toys that you put for her anyway to put uh, say a block into something is far too easy so the peg puzzle was just really handy it challenged her a little bit more than the others. Whether you're a first-time parent or not, Panda Crate provides a way to simplify the early years with just right products to support your baby's rapid development in the first two years of life. Countless errors go into creating the playthings in this box. KiwiCo designers ideate, iterate and prototype test, review and revise. And then they do it all again. So every material, colour, angle and curve is a thoughtful choice designed to stimulate your baby's brain development through play. And as I mentioned before, you can really see that in, especially with the pieces in the peg puzzle. Unlock brain building play and create a foundation for early learning with Panda Crate from KiwiCo. Get 30% off your first month plus free shipping with code IRE birth at kiwico.com. That's 30% off your first month at kiwico.com with promo code IRE birth. On to the rest of this week's episode. And how did you, were you going to bottle feed her or breastfeed her? So <clears throat> my plan was to breastfeed her, but I didn't necessarily have like, I think I was just open-minded. She didn't, I don't think she like latched on straight away. Sam said, you know, she was on your chest and she was kind of like sucking on your nipple, but I didn't really feel like any milk was coming out or I was feeding her at all. And the hospital were amazing. So like that night, I literally felt like I just could not get her to latch. I was drink, you know, I couldn't figure it out. And the hospital were amazing. They um well they were very busy like and understaffed but like if you press the button or asked a midwife to come over or like a midwife assistant they all helped like latch her on so I think over the course of the night she got a bit and then the next day then I started to get like really sore and so I started to use like nipple cream and nipple shields and she had a tongue tie but long story short like the feeding was difficult for the first week but we got a lot of support from the hospital they even did a clinic like after you know you are you go home you can go back and we went home the next day after giving birth but we were readmitted for three nights which I can tell you about but because we were in hospital we actually got loads of breastfeeding support so I was lucky like it worked out um yeah should I tell you about that bit? Yeah, tell me about going home so soon. So it was was it was sorry, was it within the 24 hours of Olivia's birth? It was just under, yes. Yeah. So it was a, she was born at about half past 12, 12.39 um on the Sunday. And then it was Monday. I think Sam came in at about eleven o'clock. Yeah. And it was I woke up, I didn't wake up because I was up all night, but yeah. the midwives came in and were like, How are you? Like, um, you look good, you know, Olivia's feeding, are you happy to go home? And I think most first-time mums would, during COVID and being separated from their partner, I mean, for me, it was, yes, of course, I wanted to be back with Sam, I wanted us to be back together. I did not want to be away from him for another night. And even practical things like, you need somebody to help you. Like, I was just, the night on my own in the hospital, I was like, literally, I just couldn't, you know, simple things, even like going to use the toilet at night. I remember thinking, oh, what would I do with my baby? So, you know, I wheeled her in with me to the bathroom and I just think that you need a second person for ideally, you know. Um, so I wanted to run home and they hadn't, they didn't get to do a pediatric check on her and they said they'd send someone out to her house with us being 10 minutes down the road as well. They're all about be home for as long as you can and we'll come to you or you can come back to us. So they sent us home and then they were going to send someone out the next day to us to check on us. So that was that was the plan. And did you feel any weakness or anything after that hemorrhage or were you just, were you fine? I got really weak. So that was day two, day three, I was floored. Day two, I think I was on this mad adrenaline rush Mm. and I think the focus just so quickly goes from yourself during pregnancy. Everything is about you. You know, you're like 
everything doctors are focusing on you you're focusing on you and that was something my mum said to me being a midwife she's obviously witnessed thousands of births over the course of her lifetime but she was just saying how you know you're a dyad you're a unit it needs to be equally about both of you and she was brilliant a bit bringing all the focus back to me like Mm. when everything else is about a baby and even while my focus was on the baby she was the one who kind of was advocating obviously Sam as well but he's a new father and she kind of kept reminding me of what you know um what had happened and you know she she made sure I had like the right blood tests and the right checks um because although they did a blood test they actually lost the results in the hospital on the Sunday they don't know what happened but they didn't manage to get something happened with the blood results so basically they weren't able to tell where my hemoglobin was and so my mum was amazing she was ringing up the hospital she was or she was ringing a local midwife to come out to me and all of this stuff so in the end I got really weak um day three and Olivia did too she well not really weak but she was actually she wasn't too bad but because of the hemorrhage your blood your milk can come in a lot later so she was it joined us on when the when they came out um the next day she was beginning to get a little bit jaundice because my milk hadn't come in and the midwife who came to the house detected a heart murmur so they were bringing her back into hospital for the heart murmur and the jaundice and she got remitted so it was Olivia was technically the patient but while I was in there with her I just got really 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 weak but I wasn't the patient so even practical things like you know getting norepinephrine and paracetamol just after getting stitches which you need I didn't have any of that with me we went back into hospital the next day and I hadn't even packed a bag like I just thought we were going in to get her dawn just looked at and her heart murmur looked at I literally thought we'd be in and out but we were there for three nights so yeah to really fight to you know become a patient and even just get things like paracetamol because they couldn't hand it to me without being a patient and that was really really hard because I was just so weak and in so much pain and obviously Sam couldn't be there I was on my own and I was at COVID risk so they put me into like um a private room which I thought would be nice but actually it was really isolating and that was probably the hardest day I had as a mom because already you know day three hormones mm, your yeah. baby blues everything I was like just not in a good place and I felt this onus to make sure she got enough milk because that will clear the jaundice so again I didn't sleep so that was my third night of no sleep I literally stayed up all night pumping because uh, it was too sore to feed and like injecting like syringes of colostrum into her mouth and then when Sam was able to visit the next day there was a window they could come he was like I hadn't because being in this private room like no one came in and out at all I again it's a COVID risk at the time so they couldn't really come in unless they needed to and it would be PPE um, and he came he was allowed in the next day and he literally just asked for the head of the ward and was like this is he made a complaint because I hadn't drank any water I was really weak and um, I actually collapsed in their ICU for the, we had to bring I had to bring Olivia up to the the baby NICU in the morning to get like tests done and I just collapsed on the floor I was so weak I hadn't eaten and, I was going um, to say that yeah. when you're feeding a newborn you need a constant supply of water and snacks and that's something uh, yeah, that you yeah. have yeah it was mental and I was really lucky when that when I collapsed the midwife who was there and I gave birth um I'll never forget her she saw me and she knew me in a way that no one else in that room did so she could see the stark difference between the yeah. woman she met giving birth and this woman who was like pale and like dark circles under my eyes so she knew straight away that something was really wrong and um she did like vitals on me just to check that it wasn't something really really wrong like my heart my blood pressure my pulse and all of my breathing and she did the most amazing thing ever she literally took off her mask and her um she had like visor stuff on and she gave me a massive hug oh. which she shouldn't do mm. with rules and she like hugs me and um 
she knew how close I am to my mum who couldn't be there and would be mm. ordinarily at a birth being a midwife and she's like this is from your mum like oh, wow. and she took me to one side and she like got someone to look after Olivia and she took me into a side room and was like you need to learn as a mum if you don't look after yourself you can't look after a baby you need to put yourself first and that's you cannot do what you did last night like you have to put yourself first look after her and it was the biggest lesson of just self-care and you need to put yourself first because you literally they're so reliant on you especially as newborns and she was amazing like she actually brought me back to that private room and like tucked me into bed brought me a dinner like (laughs) made sure I had loads of water she chatted to the midwives who were on the ward to make sure I had water and she was part of the birthing unit I described at the beginning which is very like holistic and natural births and birthing pools where I was was like the medicalized area where if you have a c-section or if you need a medical any medical intervention so there's kind of like you go into the hospital into the maternity unit and there's literally two different units so she had limited control but she still went into the unit she wasn't part of made sure I was in bed and comfortable and um, she chatted to Sam when he came in as well and was like you know you need to like you know we need to make sure that she gets more support and I think what happened was they were so over understaffed that I was just forgotten about for the night like they literally had nobody to cover the shift properly and I was I they didn't see me as high risk there was a pediatric doctor overseeing Olivia so I guess they probably looked at it like she's the baby's being looked after by the pediatrician but nobody came in to check on me and I could have called them on the bell but I didn't know any different I kind of just got into this spiral of pumping syringing nappy changing and I just did not think to take a drink of water or have a bite of food it's you're just stupid. in a daze as well and you had such a severe oh, lack of sleep I was properly sleep deprived um but that sleep when she and Olivia was great like she was a really good like little newborn she didn't she barely cried and we both slept for hours that day and that was then things got a lot better um, they sort of turned a bit of a blind eye in that Sam came in to do the visiting hours and they allowed him to stay in to feed Olivia. So he was able to like, I did all these, I mean, I had lines of these syringes of plastrum. I was like a crazed woman in the night pumping. Um, but he was able to take all those syringes and while I slept, literally pump them into her and then her jaundice didn't need to be treated it did clear um and then he could come back in for the visiting the next day and I felt like I got way more support then from the midwives the next day and loads of breastfeeding support they're all coming in helping me breastfeed and it just got a lot better then and a lot of her friends and family heard that I was readmitted so I was getting loads of like phone calls and texts and Sam brought in things that had been sent to her house like you know cards and teddies and Mm. So really, it got much better. Um, and then when I got home towards the end of that week, it was just like, you know, it was in time for, I think it was Easter week and everything began to feel like much more settled. Um, but it was a really rough, like day three, day four was really, really rough. I think as well, having such a positive birth, um, I don't, I think from a, I didn't, luckily, I don't feel like I experienced any trauma in my birth, but it was the aftermath and the readmission bit that I found traumatic. Um, But I don't think I really realised that till months and months and months down the line. And I kind of um, sort of thought about it a bit more. But now I'm I'm pretty comfortable with it and just relieved that she's fine. Her heart murmur was something called... um, a ventricle I think it's a ventricle septal defect which is a tiny hole in in part of their heart which um can heal itself Mm. after a few months and when she was about 12 weeks it did heal itself so in the grand scheme of things like we were really lucky um so yeah it's amazing that that midwife was there oh it's amazing you could have collapsed in the room on your own you could have collapsed in the toilet and she might not have been there and then you collapsed kind of I know it sounds strange but in the right place like at the right time for her 
oh, to I be know. there. And I, I think so. And like, I didn't even see her in that room. Um, I was in a room. It was literally there was lo- lots of parents there. Of, sadly, lots of them in like mm. the, like you know the neonatal units and stuff. And the doctor I was speaking to is a cardiologist. I didn't even see any midwives, and she was in. I was like in a room, and she was almost in like a reception off the room, which I think they wheeled me into when I fell. I can't really remember, but yeah, unbelievable that she even spotted me, came over, saw me, everything. Mm. Um, and even things like she made sure my bloods got done again and made sure I got prescribed iron. Like she just went completely above and beyond her job role for somebody who wasn't even on her list that day. And she would have had a very full list and a very busy um, day. So And that hug, so like when, when oh you took, God. I feel like it was a real, like, like your heart, like we're like a heart to heart hug. It just it was just a, such it was a, amazing. yeah. She literally threw her arms around yeah. me. And like, you know, I, I, I think with COVID and all of the rules, there is a lot that had to happen. Mm. But I think if you think about it, her and I had just been in a birthing room days before yeah. where of course if I had COVID or she had COVID we would have shared it anyway mm-hmm. because we were that close to each other so it makes sense that you could do that but she'd yeah that massive hug and just that also tough love like yeah. you have to look after yourself not she wasn't like oh here's some water and some food it was like come on now you are a mother now you need to look after yourself and I needed to hear that I think um and it was lovely like she was really wholesome and yeah, I'm so grateful. I've written her a letter. I'm sure she gets a lot, though. I think she just goes above and beyond for everyone. Like someone who just genuinely loves mm. their job. Like loves yeah, people. She was amazing. Mm. Yeah. And so when you got home, when yourself and Sam got home and you brought Olivia home then for the second time, did you feel like maybe this was the kind of the, the first time or how it, sh- how it should feel maybe? Um, I think the first time we went home actually was amazing mm. because... Sam's parents came and they brought like everything pink under the sun you can imagine like they had a massive pink bunny and pink baby girls and we didn't know she was a girl so we didn't have any of that um so that was it was really special the coming home the first time um but this time was even way more special because it was just so much gratitude like yeah even I just I just felt so grateful that she was okay and her results were okay um, you know, we, we were so lucky um, and I know a lot of couples aren't and we just felt so grateful and just like coming into the house and like it was flooded with flowers. I mean, like these pink flowers, bouquets everywhere. People, loads of people sent us flowers and that was really special. And um, poor Sam, like I think it was harder on him. Like I was surrounded by people in hospital, <clears throat> but he was home on his own, you know, terrified, like not knowing what was going on. And I think it was much harder for him. And I think just being back together and reunited and poor Diva, like he had cooked so much food. It was the only thing that got him through being on a house on his own. Um, there was so many lunch boxes of food in the fridge and all over the place. We didn't eat half of it, but that was kind of what got him through. Yeah. So the house, I remember it just smelled like really wholesome of, of cooked meals. And it was so lovely. And the weather was really nice and yeah, it was a really, really happy time coming home and that relief. Mm. Um, yeah, it was really good. And they still came out to the house a few times, you know, to check in on us again, which was good. So I didn't feel like I was on my own, on my own. I felt like, you know, we were going to get a lot of support. So that was really good. Thank you. That was so lovely. Yeah, I've been looking forward to listening to your story and I'm glad that you shared it. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed Ashling's story. If you would like to share your story, you're more than welcome to get in touch over on the website, irelandsbirthstories.ie, which I have linked in the show notes. Click on the share your stories tab, fill out a few details and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. I know there is such a big backlog, so I'm now into May 2023. I would love to do two episodes a week to bring that waiting list down. But at the moment, I just don't have the resources to do so. It's definitely in the pipeline, maybe during the winter. My husband's studying at the moment as well as working full time. So things are just a little bit crazy. So once life calms down a little bit, I would love to be able to do that for you. So just bear with me. I'm I'm trying my hardest to squeeze everybody in. So I will chat to you all next week.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.